Hi, and welcome to the Stop Chasing Skinny podcast, where every single Tuesday we interview a new guest to talk about topics to help you craft your own fit life. The title Stop Chasing Skinny comes from my own personal tagline of life begins when you stop chasing skinny. You see, I spent many years running many miles, taking many classes, and trying many diets, but none of those worked. So finally, I got down to the business of understanding what really matters. And it's not just about how much exercise you can do or how little you can eat. It's everything else that goes into it. So I created this podcast to help you so you can craft your own fit life. Every single Tuesday, you can listen to an interview with a guest. And now every Friday, you can listen to me a second time where I take questions you have sent to me and I spend about 15 minutes answering them. You can even feed your brain this nourishing brain food by listening while you're cooking, commuting, cleaning, walking the dog, or just about anything else, because that is how we craft a fit life. Today's podcast guest is a second-time guest, April Reigert. She is going to talk to us about the cookbook that she has created, and I may or may not have been able to write the foreword for it, which was super cool, such an honor. Um, Yeah, so April and I go way back. We've been friends for years now. Uh, We've worked with some of the same clients. She's been sharing her recipes with myself and my clients for years, so I feel like when I look at the cookbook, I recognize a lot of these recipes because she's been collecting them for years now. It's not just a cookbook either. So we're going to get into all of the reasons behind why cooking is important to know how to do. I know in today's society, it's super easy just to order it, but there's something very special about being able to cook. So we're going to get into all of that. I'm super excited to have her here for a second time. And welcome to the show, April. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you on a second time. You're that good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so could you tell us more about yourself, your background, and more importantly, what you've been up to lately? Like, oh, a cookbook? Yes, I did just write a cookbook. Um, it's been a departure for me. I um, went to the Institute of Integrated Nutrition about four years ago to become a holistic health coach. Um, I started. I went to school and graduate school in fine arts. Um, so it is a departure becoming a health coach from being an artist. Uh, well, sort of. Everything <laughs> can be. Um, but I've always been on the health journey. Um, even when I was in college, you know, when I was 18 years old, my first job was in a healthy kitchen, uh, making healthy food. And I remember my professor saying, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You should be getting a job in your field. And I don't know, I just liked exploring other things that I was good at and enjoyed. And so it just kind of I kept at I kept that other life <laughs> from there, and um, the more I've learned about health, and the more I've watched people around me struggle, the I've really developed just this natural um, desire to help people solve their problems through diet and lifestyle. Because I, you know, I've had to overcome some of my own hurdles. Um, with like eating disorder and things like that. Um, 
and I've learned a lot and I learned a lot with my nutrition schooling and I just want to show other people that they can get there too. And that's sort of how I ended up writing a book, um, which I published in June. Um, yeah. And so that's what's going on now. <laughs> that's super cool. That's uh, just awesome. And I love how you have always had it like in the back of your mind and now it really is a work of passion. Like it's your pursuit of of real happiness and, and really giving back to people. And, you know, we've known each other for years now and have always yeah. seen you doing that with, with anybody that, I mean, even just like random people uh, that is, you know, they're looking for a little bit of advice on this or that. You really take the time to really help your clients and in, and that shows in everything that you do. So now this cookbook, I had the pleasure of trying your recipes for, like I said, years. <laughs> and when I heard you were putting one together, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. It's going to be all in one place. So I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to write this cookbook um, aside from you've been creating these delicious recipes for years now? Um, it's really a culmination of everything going on in my life. So firstly, what we were just talking about, my passion for, and I hate to keep saying it, my passion, it sounds cliche, but it's really true. Your passion is that thing that just pours out of you, no matter how you falsely try to redirect yourself. Um, it's <laughs> It's something that will always keep coming up for you and it just feels natural. So it's really nice when you just follow your own compass and point yourself into like like probably like health does for you too. You just naturally want to help people do these, accomplish these things for themselves. So it's bringing that together mixed with, uh, I have a six-year-old son now, um, mixed with the challenges of being a parent. Um Every parent I know, especially the moms, you know, are always around after school pickup. I'm constantly hearing their struggles. They, the same conversation happens over and over again. My son, you know, doesn't eat this. He doesn't eat that. I don't know what to make for dinner. My kids are picky. They won't eat what I put down, but I think it was good. I don't have time to cook. It's all this frustration. I'm constantly hearing it, and I get this natural desire to um, help them get over those hurdles you know and help them understand what they can do and ways they can address a picky eater or how to get the kid to eat better better or you know I, I hear people talking organic is really important to me I hear a lot of people talking about does it even matter and I love addressing those challenges for people um yeah, because you're right. It gets to be very confusing. We get all of these different inputs and sometimes more information is not necessarily better. It just confuses us even more. And, you know, as a busy mom, you're having to juggle all these other things already. And so between having to decipher which information is relevant, pertinent, actually applies to you. And then the whole, even the decision of making, deciding what to make for dinner, a lot of times your decision making abilities have been just completely maxed out during the day. And now you're sitting here and like, 
what do I even do? But I love how you you pull ingredients together, you put things together, and it's so nutritious the way that you do it too. It's so complimentary. Well, thank you. I that's the main goal is to help people just rely on their own logic and intuition and and to stop all that um over information reading about which thing and which ingredient and what should I make and should I be you know <coughs> excuse me um so that that is my main goal is thinking about who the recipes are for um and answering that and and mainly that I wrote this book for busy families yeah, so let's talk about how you bring the whole family into it. I mean, cooking with your kids is not mandatory, but how much fun is that? And how much do you learn and how much do they learn? Um, you know, these recipes that you put together, it's great because you can really talk about all the ingredients that are going into it. And it's it's really fun. It can be. I, I don't know if I personally <laughs> think of fun when I think of cooking with my child, but I do. <laughs> I do see it as a, um, valuable. It's a valuable interaction and experience for your child to involve them with the cooking and eating. Um, my son is even involved on the ground level of, you know, we get our produce in the summer, spring, summer, fall from a local farm. So he goes with me and we walk around the fields and we get to pick stuff and we also grow stuff at home. So not only does he get to see how it grows, interact with it that way, but then I'll let him, you know, maybe chop. He loves to make juice. So I let him chop things and throw it in the juicer. Um, it's giving him a whole picture of where food comes from and, you know, and then we can have discussion about nutrition and vitality and all those things. So I do think it's a crucial um, part in parenting and teaching your kids healthy eating habits. Yeah, that's huge. That will pay dividends for their whole entire life. <laughs> We're gonna take a really quick break and we'll be right back. And today's show is sponsored by Memer Media Group. Memer Media Group is passionate about helping professionals in the fitness industry expand their influence and businesses beyond the confines of their local community. For the very first time in history, health, wellness, and fitness coaches can make a positive impact and earn an income from anywhere in the world. Check out Memer Media Group at memermediagroup.com. M-E-E-M-U-R media group so welcome back all right so let's keep talking about these recipes and and really the method to your madness when you put them together um i had mentioned before that there are different combinations that the, the recipes are complementary but can you explain to the listeners what i mean when i say that yeah, um, so I was really, I'm really thinking about average parents that I know when I was putting the recipes together, um, 
and myself, um, the things I go through too, which is you're busy at night, um, which is actually why I call the book Dinner Rush, because those hours between once they get out of school until like 7 p.m., for most people and in my own experience are just really hairy, rushed, crazy hours because there's so much you're trying to fit in. Many people take their kids to after-school activities, you know, music, lessons, sports. Um, some, I mean, some, half the time my son just likes to stay on the playground for two hours. But at any rate, you get home kind of late, and then there's things like homework and getting ready for bed and all that stuff. Um, so there's a limited amount of time. And you don't want to then spend hours in the kitchen creating some big fancy meal or following some lengthy ingredient list on a recipe and discovering you don't have five of the things on there. So I want the ingredients to be simple. There's nothing in my book that you haven't heard of. Maybe one or two things, but they're still easy enough to find. Um, Nothing you haven't heard of and things that you may, if you um, also follow my pantry stocking advice, things you probably have on hand. I usually have everything on hand that I need to whip up dinner in a flash. Um, and again, keeping the recipe small so that you're not, you know, I, I can't stand when I see a recipe and it's like on in two separate columns, you know, it's just so long and all these steps and I think, forget it. I just want to, and also my recipes to be like, once you've made it one or two times, you could probably just then evolve it into your own and do your own thing with it and not even need to rely on my recipe. So that's sort of what I used to think about um, writing the recipes and they're all my own creations. That's awesome. And you're right. Like it's great whenever you don't have to go back to something every single time. I mean, it's there if you need it, but how much easier mm -hmm. is it if you can just, you know, use yours in the beginning and then now this is what you do and you can make little variations on it for your own taste. Yes, absolutely. And I also want people to understand that nutrition doesn't have to be complicated. I feel like when people maybe are stuck in a rut of a certain way of eating, you know, relying on fast food and takeout and just discovering that maybe the things they're eating aren't so healthy and they want to change, but it seems like there's a huge barrier to the change. Um, that, oh, well, I don't know what to do and I don't know what ingredients and I just want to remove the barrier for from people thinking that it's unattainable or it's too hard or it's too expensive and teach them things like, you know, if you have broccoli and rice and eggs at home, you, you can make a dinner that is acceptable, nutritious, fast, and tastes good. Um, you don't need a lot of fancy things so that I want to bust that myth too that, you know, organic's going to break the bank for you or anything like that. Oh, that's such a good point. And I love that you just broke it down to basically like three ingredients that almost everybody has. And then <laughs> you just, you know, because I think for me, I just visually pictured whipping that up, throwing it in the oven, and then like moving on to something else and coming back when it's done. 
Exactly. And if you can do something like that, all the better, because everyone has, even non-parents, right? We all have other things we need to get done rather than spend hours getting our meal ready. Yeah, you're right. And non-parents too. I don't have kids, but I find myself running around all the time and, you know, figuring out those recipes, those go-to things, those go-to. I love that you said you have a pantry stocking tip in your book too. Uh, I think that's huge. You know, a lot of people try to find people to help them, trainers, nutritionists, whatever, help them, you know, navigate a grocery store. So that's great that you have a list included where somebody can take that, go into the grocery store, figure out what they need to get on that list, and then be able to prepare almost anything in your cookbook, pretty much, right? Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I want to bring people back to cooking at home too. I don't want them to feel intimidated about cooking at home. Um, the revolution in cooking for yourself, it's really come full circle. You know, in the seventies when it was women's liberation time, the food corporations, the giant food corporations, um, they really saw an opportunity to step in and not, uh, and, not so much help the situation, but profit off the situation. They saw this revolution where women were going to work. So the man and the woman in a traditional household um, were both at work all day. And the food corporations took it as an opportunity to step in and say, hey, you know, they didn't say, hey, you should share the cooking. <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, why don't you take turns cooking? I mean, they didn't do that. What they said was, We'll cook for you. Here, have some frozen TV dinners. Have a bucket of chicken for a you know five dollar meal deal. They just stepped right in and they saw a money making opportunity, and it's been picking up speed ever since. Um, and we are seeing the results today. I, I don't. I feel like a lot of people don't want to see the connection between diet, lifestyle, and health. They feel like uh, health is something extra that just happens to you by bad luck and sometimes that can be the case you can't control every little thing but generally health is not just luck of your draw you actually do have a lot of control over it and um you know and we see like diabetes and obesity are like at skyrocket rates these days. Um, they used to call type 2 diabetes adult onset diabetes because you only saw it in an adult. Well, now so many children have it. I mean, we went from like 0% in children in the 80s to like a couple hundred percent. I don't know the exact number, but it's an astronomical percentage rate of children have type 2 diabetes now. And it's everything to do with diet. It didn't just come out of nowhere. Everyone's genetics didn't just suddenly change. Yeah. It's a it's from this industry and food policy, and I don't mean to go political, but it is. Well, <laughs> it yeah, is. yeah, and you're right. And and I think that a lot of times people don't understand the whole cause and effect. And, you know, a lot of times we only look at what's right in front of us. And so, you know, we don't look back to see like the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, um, you know, we don't understand why they started making white bread, why they started bleaching the flour, um, you know, how we used to eat it, uh, a previous 
recording that you and I did talked about how our ancestors knew how to sprout their grains and they knew about the benefits of fermentation. And, you know, these days we just don't do it. And I think a lot of times we are just hyper-focused on what's happening right now or maybe, maybe some recent history, but not even as far as like what you said with the 70s. And if you think about it, you know, if, if you're, if you grew up in that era and your, your parents were not cooking for you, you didn't learn these skills. And therefore now, how do you know how to cook for your own kids? And now they're not learning the skills. And now it just seems like this huge, cumbersome, foreign task that you're like oh my god how am I going to do that you know but if you're doing it in front of your kids you know your kids are watching you cook every night and they see you taking the time and you don't see it as a huge burden although it is work you know I think it's just reframing how we see things and and you're right at the long-term effects are huge and I mean I think yeah I mean so like all the political stuff is really tough but you're like you are taking control in your own home right yeah it is about reframing how you see things um because like like i said about if you have broccoli and eggs and rice earlier um it's you know all the hurdles we, we tell ourselves like well i don't have time it's actually faster than just ordering something and waiting i mean it's you have to be taking action, but you're going to have dinner faster than if you called and waited for the delivery and ordered. And then you're controlling the ingredients. So you're not adding azo dicarbonamide or <laughs> all the other wonderful things that are in fast food that aren't sitting on your shelves in your kitchen. Um, so you have control over the ingredients, you have control over the salt and the sugar and how much fat and the type of fat, you know, there's a lot of unhealthy fats used in industry, um, you know, and it's about profits for them. And you have to use your logic to just understand that you don't have to read any articles, you don't have to follow anyone else's thoughts, you can just use your own um, sense of reasoning about what's put out there in front of you versus just sticking to whole food ingredients and whipping them up for yourself. What a concept. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's so true though. It is true. And we we think that, you know, we, we are so inundated with knowledge and we think that we have to be told how to do every single thing. And while knowledge is good, uh, we have to learn how to think for ourselves. And I think that sometimes we forget how to do that and we just automatically turn to somebody else to tell us how to do everything and then we end up with a problem because they're, you're not always, like they don't have your best interest in, in mind all of the time. Absolutely. And just, you know, I can't really... I, I have a hard time believing that a giant food corporation has my best interest in mind when they put um, inflammation-causing fats, chemicals, food dyes. When they put all those things in the food, I really don't believe that it's about me. And, you know, and that's why I say about using your logic because, you know, I definitely hear all the arguments 
And a lot of people are like, well, this science report says, and that's science, and do you really think the corporations are trying to hurt you? And it's like, well, okay, you know, you don't have to get into all the semantics and all that stuff. Just use, just trust your gut. And what do you think? Do you think the broccoli and the eggs are better, or do you think the McDonald's burger with azodicarbonamide and the myriad of other things it has? Which one do you think? You know, just what do you think? (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) Well, I think we have to take another quick break. We'll be right back. Did you know that SK Fit Life has a men's coaching program? Well, we do. And we will get you or your guy into and out of his workout within 45 minutes. Start building muscle, start blasting fat with me, Stephanie. And we've brought on a new coach, Coach Steve. You can find all that information right on the website under the men's training program. And welcome back. So back to all of this stuff, um, kind of reprogramming what our thought process is. I love that you said it actually takes less time for you to prepare the stuff than it does to order it and wait for it to come. Um, And I think that, you know, if you have recipes like the ones that you've created, you've put together, you've put together a shopping list, it's so much easier to turn to that and just take care of dinner than it is to sit around and think, what do we want? Let's order it. Now let's wait for it. And let's deal with the effects of it. And the emotion that comes with that too, that lack of, I mean, I hear parents doing that on the playground too. They start going, oh, I don't know what's for dinner. Do you think, you know, and they kind of casually ask as if, as if they're not asking for help, but I think they are asking for help. Should I order pizza? Do you think I should just call, you know, what should I? And, the the struggle that's coming with that and then the mental like so then they order a pizza and that was a struggle to decide to do it and then they're feeling kind of badly about it afterwards like I know I probably should have fed something more nutritious to my kids so then they're like in this emotional cycle where they're beating up on themselves doing it and they're kind of taking away their own power they're giving it away that's good instead of just owning like okay I am in charge of my family's health my health my kids health and this is what I want to be feeding them so set yourself up so that you're going to feed them that you don't I don't cook every night but I have um I often will cook things um in double or even triple batches so that it's there for when I'm feeling lazy yeah um you know, like a big pot of chili or a big pot of soup and then maybe a homemade bread. Just having those things there and you can stick them in the freezer so that, you know, the nights you just don't feel like cooking, you can still have something nutritious that's sort of ready to go and feel empowered and and not be later that night thinking, oh, what have my kids eaten? You know, are they healthy enough? Am I giving them the rights? I mean... You can you are in control of what you're eating and what they're eating, and you don't have to give that power away. Um, and that's my biggest thing I want people to understand. It it takes a little work to you know change your habits if you're not in the habit of doing that. No lie about that. It definitely it can be challenging and takes work, and it can take some planning. 
but it is worth it in the end because like you mentioned, giving your kids lifelong healthy eating habits is really important. I can never prove to anyone how many times they don't go to the doctor, um, but it, it can save you a lot of hassle and, and to think about your kids then going, if you think about your own experience growing up and what you brought with you, you know, what food practices you've brought with food. We all have emotion attached with food. A lot of times people eat junky food or fast food because there's a lot of emotion attached to it. And the whole, I mean, and the whole spectrum, people who eat too much, people who don't eat enough, people who are very controlling, a lot of times it's about, it's in an effort to not feel feelings you don't want to feel or to, uh, or to attach to like a, a sense of comfort or other feeling that you want to bring up again. And we bring all that stuff with us when we become parents. And if you think about how that affects you and your own health and what you want for your kids, I mean, maybe that can be motivation to take some steps towards change as well. Yeah, that's huge. So two things about that. Um, one thing, so I totally used to way overeat and loved the feeling of being full and just, oh man. And even if it was healthy food, I wanted to eat it all. Um, but what I, <laughs> what I found was that um, on the days that I cooked, so especially like when I did those competitions and I did a lot of meal prepping, on those days... I just needed to spend time with the food. Like I would cook all this food and at the end I would go, oh yeah, I needed to eat some of that. But it was more just time spent with it versus just grabbing something and now you're like spending time by eating it. Um, and then the other thing too is I, I think, you know, I just take it for granted. It's kind of common knowledge to me, but from a marketing standpoint, any company knows that once you get somebody hooked, it's easier to keep a customer than it is to gain a new one. And so a lot of fast food places and junk food knew this as, you know, knew this from the beginning and they wanted to get kids hooked. And so, you know, enter Happy Meals and things like that, because now you've created this customer from a very early age. And as they grow older, when they want to reach back to their childhood for something comforting, well, guess what that is? That's Happy Meal. And so you're right. Like there is this programming. There are these emotional attachments. And for me growing up, I grew up in a very rural area, we really didn't have money. So we ate mostly what my dad either caught or killed and then what was grown in my grandparents' garden or whatever was canned. And I remember thinking, we're so poor. I feel so, so, so upset and so deprived because we can't afford Doritos or you know, like fruit roll-ups, like we couldn't afford the junky food. Unfortunately, nowadays it's the cheap stuff to get. But, um, you know, I never reached back to that for comfort because it wasn't there for me as a kid. So those are great points. Lucky you. (laughs) I know, right? Well, at the time I did not think lucky. I was like, oh, this sucks. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. I just, I was recently comparing a picture people on social media I have this book that I absolutely love it's called Hungry Planet 
And so this photographer went around the world documenting what people, what families eat in a week in different cultures. So it would be a picture of a family in front of a table and on the table is everything they consume for that week. And I put a picture side by side of a average, like a Guatemalan family, not, not wealthy. I would, they weren't, um, impoverished but they weren't wealthy so there was a Guatemalan family like a just a hard-working low-income family and then side by side with an American family in North Carolina of normal of average means and obviously who had the better food it was the people that you would see as less well off their table was spread with carrots and gourds and uh, green beans and leafy greens and um, potatoes, onions, beans, rice, just all whole, you know, they were farmers and it, and it had like some whole chickens and eggs, just real whole good food. And the North Carolina family <clears throat> of, you know, of more affluence, you would say, had tables full of pizza, mm -hmm. soda, Pepsi. So their childhood association with soda was Pepsi. Um, bags of chips, boxes of juice, just awful, awful, an overabundance of awful and unhealthy foods. And I thought, isn't this amazing that today being wealthy often, often means being unhealthy <laughs> too. It's like the overabundance leaves us with all these, it's almost like it's, um, Sometimes I go in the grocery store and I'm like, it's like a circus, you know, it's not about, yeah, it's not yeah. about necessity anymore. It's like, it's like the companies are playing with the food, like they turn it into toys, you know, like the cereals with the cartoon characters on it aimed at kids and they come in like blue and, you know, red colors and crazy colors that you wouldn't normally find in the natural food world and it's like what it's like there's just so much food here we're just playing with it like turning it into toys and candy and eating too much of it and you know people are walking around the store loading their carts with cookies and soda and bags of chips and it's like I don't know if I'm conveying what I'm saying very well but it's like it's a joke almost it, because that's not about fueling yourself that's not about taking care of your body it's not about your health and your wellness, and it's not about growth. It, it's like it's um, it's just become this loose plaything instead of being an actual means of survival and good health. I think you made your and, point very well. I thought it was excellent. You're right. You're right because now it's just it's how much can we how much can we sell how much can we consume and how can we get people to buy it and we miss the point and we miss the point of fueling our bodies and then you're right like maybe we eat something that's not good fuel or we feed our families that and now we have so much guilt associated with it like you know it's just it's a lot of time and energy wasted to tell you the truth so much so and like you mentioned the happy meal not only is that an association for you as an adult with like a good time when you're a kid but then parents are passing it on to their kids 
when their kid is upset or they want to reward their kid, then they think, okay, I'll take you to McDonald's because that's what made me feel good when I was a kid. So now I'm going to take you for that happy meal. It's like endless branding. These companies are creating generations of customers through grabbing your emotions. Yeah. It's incredible, really. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that, you know, like I said, I, I take it for granted. I think, I think you take it for granted. Um, I try to pay attention to the marketing stuff and, uh, you know, if I've studied marketing a good bit, I'm in grad school studying marketing. So when I see these things, I, I recognize it and, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, awesome once you can recognize it. And then you're like, oh, I totally see what you're trying to do to me here. <laughs> so, and then, you know, it's even more of a choice. Like, do I, am I going to buy into it or am I going to decide that, no, I don't want that. Um, but there's a lot of this like underlying subconscious stuff and we don't really realize what's going on. And I think a lot of times we just, we default back to my willpower sucks and it's not just about your willpower. It's so many other things that go into it. So I think, you know, you hit on so many different points that are so relevant and help, I think help the listener a lot. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, so can you tell us more about where somebody can find your cookbook and how somebody could find you online? Um, my cookbook is on Amazon. So you could go to Amazon and type in my name, April Don Riger, or you could type in Dinner Rush. Um, it has a subtitle, but <laughs> it's A Busy Parent's Guide to Better Nutrition with Recipes. But if you just type Dinner Rush, you only get two things, my book and some old movie. <laughs> so it'll be there on Amazon. And um, I'm on Instagram at April Don Riger. Awesome. And you always post wonderful pictures of this food that you've been cooking. So <laughs> if you like food pics, that's great. And it's it's so healthy for you. So if you see it and you're like, oh, I am craving that, then that's a good thing. If you see like... I don't know, marketing messages from pizza companies and you go, I'm craving that. Maybe not such a good thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, April. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. Thanks for being here again.